Welcome to Campus Life, the college side of our podcast here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Thank you guys so much for joining us here again this week. This podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, The Smoke Show, and of course, the Fantasy Points Podcast. You can follow all of them in one place on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live, or uh, you can check out their weekly Friday drops that recap the week and Fantasy Points Media Group. So, Colin, we had a little fun this weekend. A little bit, yeah. It was uh, it was definitely good to to see everybody again in person, and then you know you mix in the occasion being you know a wedding, and you mix in open bar and you know, that's just a recipe for a lot of fun. It was a real open bar, man. Like they just kept like all weekend. We we so just oh, yeah. set, we had a buddy who he's been married for a couple years now, but they finally got to do the ceremony, which got delayed like six times because of COVID. Um, we stayed at this really cool resort, all of us together in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And they just gave us like six packs of beer all weekend. We just walk in and say, hey, can I have beer? And they'd be like, oh yeah, here, take a six pack. <laughs> walk out. So, yeah, that is why there were so many good pictures and videos in the Discord. If you guys are not in the Discord and you're members of the site, seriously, this weekend alone was <laughs> worth was worth the entrance. And it's no, it's that you know you just get the link to it once you're a member. So, um, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, go back check that out. Um, we had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, Austin even drank his first truly. Uh, it was one of the truly lemonades, though. Right? It was let's, truly let's... crap. Truly, truly crap. <laughs> <laughs> it left a gross taste in my mouth. I did not enjoy it. Uh, well, you did it. You can say you did it now. Now you can officially say you don't like it. Yeah. Onward and upward. All right. So we have a couple of fun things to talk about here tonight, guys, um, including uh, Colin cheating on me going on another show uh, last night to do some CFF mock drafting live. Uh, kudos to Colin for doing it. <laughs> I would not have had the balls to do that, I don't think. Um, so we're going to break that down. Uh, we talk about some of the guys that uh, we don't have any of across our leagues. And I, how many leagues are you in, Colin? I am in four, and then I'll be doing another one here, okay. another fifth one in the coming days. Okay. I believe uh, I am in 10, but one is has two separate leagues in it. Nope. So technically, I I'm in 11. Six. I was Six. one short. Okay. So, I mean, like we're talking, you know, we have a significant amount of leagues that we don't yeah. have any of these guys in. So I think that's going to be a fun discussion. Um, but we are going to start off here with this really cool article that came out in The Athletic um, three days ago or so is uh, about college football's biggest overachievers and underachievers based on recruiting. Um, and they just kind of did a deep dive um, over the past uh, four years, I believe. And they basically went to look at uh, the, the Massey ratings is what they use to kind of judge performance. And that the Massey ratings, for those who don't know, it's kind of a compilation of different pools. I don't know exactly what all goes into it. But I know there's like they basically still use like the old BCS, but then like a bunch of other stuff in with it um, to, to compile their rankings. Um, and then they compared the results against teams average recruiting rankings based on the 24 seven composite from 2015 to 2018. And they stopped at 2018 because we don't necessarily know about the 1920 recruiting classes yet. They haven't been drafted. Um, so they, well, I guess we can start here with the overachievers, the biggest overachiever in college football, Iowa state. 
<laughs> they probably would have been one of my top guesses. I don't know if I would have guessed yeah. they were number one, though. Um, they are 32 and 19 in the past four years, and they've never had a top 40 recruiting class, which blows my mind. Um, but then behind them, you know, through the top 10, we it's it's basically all the Midwest. It's actually really, really interesting. Um, Iowa State, Iowa, Wisconsin, Boston College, Northwestern, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Wake Forest, Utah, and Indiana. Um, so I guess the first takeaway is, you know, the, the, the East coast and the West coast, you know, like, and especially like the Southern coast get a lot of hype on the recruiting and a lot of those, those players stick around close to home. So I guess a lot of these teams probably are, are picking up a lot of local guys that are under recruited and, and, and building them up to what they are. Yeah. I think that the first thing this shows you is one, like you said, just the disparity between the level of prospects in the East and West coasts. And then in, in the, uh, in the Midwest now, you know, every now and then you have some guys pop up there and I'm assuming they don't, you know, Texas isn't really Midwestern. That's a little bit more Southern. Um, but Texas is just Texas. Yeah. It's its (laughs) It's just its own thing. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, outside of that, you know, the Midwest does not have a lot of great prospects, but it has a lot of great coaches. Um, you know, in the article, they mentioned that, um, you know, they're the co- four of the five longest tenured head coaches at the power five level uh, are on that list uh, in uh, Kirk Ferentz, pa- uh, Iowa, Pat Fitzgerald from Northwestern, Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State and Kyle Whittingham uh, at Utah there. Um, and then that doesn't even include Matt Campbell, like you touched on, um, you know, and then they also mentioned that um, Dave Clausen's in his eighth year at Wake Forest as well, who was also on that list there. You mentioned so, you know, they that's just very consistent program builders there in the Midwest. And, you know, I think that's one of the other things that stands out to me there too. Not, um, not a ton of teams that you'd be interested in for C2C stuff though. Right. Like overall, I mean, some of the, like, you, know, you get an occasional kid from Boston college. I mean, we have Djokovic flowers right now, but before that, like we had Dylan and I can't remember <laughs> any guys the few years before that. Kansas State doesn't know. They might have like a guy now and then. They have Deuce Vaughn right now. And I don't know how you feel about Skylar Thompson. Um, you know, uh, even like, you know, Utah hasn't had a lot of great fantasy assets there. Yeah, They've been Oklahoma. okay, but Oklahoma even Oklahoma State. State. Yeah. They have a guy or two every year, like the one receiver usually that you want. And then their quarterback can usually put up decent numbers. But even outside of them, the Wisconsin running back, usually you want them. But. Outside of that, you don't really want too many other pieces of that Wisconsin offense. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I guess the name of the game here is probably a lot of defense. Um, to be An O-line. Honest. I mean, yeah, Wisconsin, Iowa, Northwestern over the past few years. Yeah, I mean, Utah, those are, those are some teams that are, that are known for the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think the more interesting list um, in terms of what the – so they split it up into P5 and G5. So the, the G5 teams, there's some interesting names in here. Um, Appalachian State is the number one overachiever. They their average twenty four seven composite recruiting ranking over the, after those after the over those years was one hundred fourteenth in the country, which is obst- you I thought it was in the seventies, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, or the sixties. But one fourteen, and their rank over those years was twenty fourth. So they overachieved by ninety spots. Which By a wide margin <laughs> to like contextualize Iowa State was plus thirty eight, so I mean, holy crap! Um, 
but, but then besides them, you know, Army, Buffalo, Buffalo being obviously, you know, running back cave in the past few years, Air Force, UCF. I'm curious to see if that changes a little bit here now that um, Heupel's gone. Um, Ohio would not have guessed that. Uh, Louisiana, UL, not ULL, as I've been corrected <laughs> several times. Boise State, Memphis, Wyoming, Cincinnati, Troy, Coastal Carolina, Navy, San Diego State, SMU, Fresno. Um, Marshall. So, I mean, some, some big names on there, but it's not the who's who you would think, you know, Boise state's not number one and, you know, neither, you know, Cincinnati, you know, some of the UCF, some of these schools that we think of as big time overachievers, uh, but still on the list nonetheless. Yeah. I think the, obviously the Appalachian state one is just shocking to me. Like I, I, cause I can't even really think of that many players that they've produced. I mean, Darrington Evans. Yep, that's it. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> um, you know, there's probably some defensive guys, probably some guys in the O-line as well, like we were touching on some of the ones before that. But really, I I can't think of anybody who came out of Appalachian State. So for them to be number one and number one by that big of a margin was really surprising. Uh, Boise State being only eighth actually does surprise me as well like you touched on there too i mean everybody thinks of boise state as being you know the the one of the g5 powerhouses you know year in year out um and their recruiting classes on this list they had the best recruiting class out of all of these schools but it really wasn't by that much ucf was uh 63 um cincinnati was 65 so it wasn't by like a wide margin there. So them only being eight kind of surprises me as well. Uh, and then also, you know, Troy just being on the list at all. Again, that's another Appalachian State thing. But I, I literally can't name a single player from no. Troy ever. Um, I, mean, uh, I guess I know like a couple of guys are on the roster currently. But uh, they had a they had a corner one year who I think was actually pretty good. Uh, I can't remember his name. I have no idea. <laughs> but it just I feel like I remember them having a corner that was drafted. He, he made a big impact on UIC. He must have been yes. very very good. Um, <laughs> so th this is the, the underachievers is going to be the much more fun thing to talk about. Yeah. Um, and I don't really, uh, they, they only gave us the P five, uh, cause I think it's, you know, it's kind of hard to find major ones for the G five. Um, Arkansas was number one, which surprised me a little bit. Um, Rutgers, number two, Florida state three, Maryland four, UCLA, Illinois, Nebraska, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Kansas. I mean, it is a who's who of teams that have just not been good <laughs> over the past several years, really. Um, but it's uh, some of the – I mean, Nebraska is minus 73. Yeah, their, their overall rank record-wise over the past several years is 103, and they've had the, an average of the 30th-ranked uh, recruiting classes over that time. Yeah, I think – Florida State actually being third surprises me. I kind of would have thought they would have been number one because if you look well, at it, they look, are their killer is their is their recruiting ranking. Yeah, yeah, yeah fifth. <laughs> yeah, um, so being fifth in recruiting ranking and then only sixty first in uh, in the Massey rank there, that one's surprising. And then, I mean, I get I guess putting Vanderbilt and Kansas on the list like makes sense, but you know. Did, does anybody actually expect anything from either of those two teams? Um, you know, I, I mean, I didn't. No. I, 
No, so, I'm actually a little surprised Vanderbilt's average recruiting ranking was as high as it is. Yeah, I thought it would be a little bit lower. Yeah, that's a bit of a surprise there too. Um, same with Illinois actually as well. Um, did not think Illinois would have the 55th recruiting ranking. Yeah, yeah, and Vanderbilt was 51. Um, as for for people that have not seen the article, the other big ouchie is Tennessee. Oh, he's yeah. had on average the 13th ranked um, recruiting class over those years. Um, and they're minus 49 spots. So if you're doing that math at home, that means they've been the 62nd best team. Uh, <laughs> so not great for the volunteers there. Uh, and it's looking like, I mean, their 1920 classes were pretty strong as well. And they haven't done like, I, this is not going to get better. Like they scale this forward <laughs> a year or two. <laughs> not probably, probably going to hurt them actually more than it's going to help them. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that the Arkansas, I think that's going to help them a little bit. Arkansas is probably going to, drop a couple spots here you know on the underachievers list um because they've had some guys here that have started to pan out a little bit um uh, you know they, they had a good record last year as well so that one i think is going to correct itself a little bit uh but i still probably expect them to be on the list and i kind of expect this list to mostly stay the same yeah i do too um there, there's, uh, there's not a lot of, maryland might scoot up a little bit um florida state can't be bad forever <laughs> at least we say that i mean they're, they're probably challenge accepted um, but so i just thought that was an interesting article fun thing to discuss a little bit just something to keep in mind um when you're looking at recruiting rankings and maybe you're just you, you know you're you thinking in the back of your head you know whatever happened to you know that that big tennessee receiver class they brought in a couple years ago you know so uh, just something to keep in mind um as we move forward um so i guess this is a good time call let's talk about your cff show from last night um for the, for those that missed it, Colin went live on a mock draft with the Chasing the Natty guys um, and did a full CFF mock. How, 16 rounds, 20 rounds? Uh, 16 rounds. 16 rounds, yeah. Uh, and it seemed like you did okay. I mean, John Lobb was in the comments just making fun of you the whole time. Yeah, so was Kevin Coleman. Yeah. Uh, you <laughs> and know. the funny thing about John Lobb making fun of me there too is he said I need to get some <laughs> rankings. I was using his, honestly. Like I, I trust the experts and I had his uh his article his um rankings from fan tracks pulled up there, you know. I was using some of those. Um but I mean obviously drafting on the turn was the biggest uh was the biggest thing there. That was that was difficult. Um, <laughs> yeah, when you when you said that to John live, I just died. Like, I'm using your records. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I felt I don't know. I feel pretty good about that team. Um, I don't think I'm the worst team on there. You know, so 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 I'll ask you a couple questions about it just to see. I'm gonna. I would say I want to hear your thought process, but for some of these, I feel like you're 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 just gonna be like, well, I kind of picked like. A guy that I I knew. I feel like yeah. it's going to be some of the answers here. So I'll try not to get too many questions that suck. Um, you had the the 101. You took Malik Willis 101. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. a no brainer, right? He is the 101 in CFF drafts. I mean, we first off, I guess this is like when I friends ask me legal advice, and I have to be like, I am not your attorney. You know, just to make <laughs> that we are not CFF experts. You know, we we know CFF, and we, you know, but you know, C2C is a different animal. Um, so yes. we are. You know, don't don't take everything that we come at, that comes out of this is just pure <laughs> CFF advice. That is not what this is. Uh, Malik Willis one hundred and one though. Yeah, I, I felt like that was that was pretty much the the clear cut choice there. And and like I touched on on the live show too. I mean, he's is it was his combination of floor and ceiling 
that makes him, I think, the pretty clear 101. I mean, I think maybe you see a little bit of a regression in, in from last year, but at the same time, that schedule doesn't get any tougher. Um, like we could talk, touch on a little bit later here in it, you know, as we go over some of the other picks. Um, well, I mean, I'll talk about it now too. I stacked um, Malik Willis with uh, Liberty's defense at the vice of at Jared. He Jared brought up a good point, and then I was looking into their schedule, and they start off the year with Campbell. I, I think that's got to be D two. It's just Matt Campbell, actually. <laughs> they just there's a whole team playing against Matt Campbell. If I had known that, I would not have taken them. <laughs> uh, no, so the, their schedule as an independent is pretty easy i think syracuse was the toughest game on the schedule that i looked at um it was like i think i only saw like their first six games but yeah um so easy schedule so i could see him even having an even better year potentially because he's the best rusher we've seen since lamar jackson and lamar jackson actually played in the acc so he actually played good defenses um but yeah i mean getting lamar jackson 2.0 in college at the one, one, I think it's a no brainer there. Yeah. Um, I, I did a, a breakdown for an article that I meant that I got really deep into writing and then never finished <laughs> probably never. will. about Malik Willis's rushing ability. And I came to that conclusion too, that he's the best rusher that we've seen. Um, strength of schedule aside since Lamar Jackson in college, um, just, you know, in terms of volume and efficiency, um, depth, you know, he, he blows away, in volume, he blows away guys like Kyler Murray, like Josh. Mm-hmm. You know, the, a lot of these big names that you, that you remember being rushing quarterbacks. In terms of efficiency, he crushes all the guys that ran a lot. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I can see that, why you did that. Um, on the way back, <laughs> Mechie and Eric Gray. Yeah, um, I didn't feel great about those two. Honestly, those are two the two picks I probably – feel the least good about but at the same time i can defend those because and i did i I talked about it on the live show as well but you know yeah alabama brings in a great freshman class of receivers you know we expect big things from those guys but they are freshmen you know it does take freshman wide receivers a little bit of time to kind of break into lineups takes them a little bit of time to adapt from the high school game to the sec you know, that's a pretty big jump in competition level. And John Mechie's established, you know, he's say what you want about his pro potential, say what you want about his, you know, ability overall. But, you know, I, I think that he is going to be pretty clear cut that wide receiver one in that offense. Um, so, you know, I think Bryce Young will probably feed him the ball. So I think I feel pretty good about him getting re- pretty good production there. And, if you look at the next receivers that went off the board, um, Marvin Mims at Oklahoma. I like Marvin Mims, but that's a crowded wide receiver room. Same with Garrett Wilson at Ohio State, also a pretty crowded wide receiver room. Um, you know, Alave also went in the third round. So two Ohio State guys going in the third round there. That's tough. Jalen Robinson. I don't really know what to expect from UCF this year, transitioning into um, you know August Malzahn offense. I think he's going to be fine, but I'm not as confident in it. So the only other wide receiver that was like in that area that I was considering uh, was um, Cropper and Josh Downs. But I still just, I feel like the Alabama, you know, he's, I want the Alabama wide receiver one. I think he's, he's going to have a good year. 
That's fair. I think I would have taken Downs over him. But you know me. I'm like the biggest Downs <laughs> yeah. homer ever. Um, loved him as like a high school prospect. I, I, that offense, everything just screams, you know, big season uh, out of him. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't fault you for that. And then Gray, I mean – if you uh, upside play, right? Yeah. Uh, again, that was that was kind of more of an upside play there because I think that if he gets sixty percent of the touches, sixty five percent of the touches, I think he's going to have a really nice year this year. Um, Kennedy Brooks is coming back, um, and you know we were talking in the chat there too. The one guy said he thinks Kennedy Brooks is is going to have a, a pretty substantial role there, and I think even if he does, Gray is going to be the receiving back. So in a PPR league. You know, I think he has a safer floor there. Um, and I, I didn't love some of the other options there. I was considering Jerome Ford because I think he's going to be a big piece of that offense there too. But I, I was surprised to hear them say last day, Jared and them say that they weren't quite as high on Jerome Ford. I was a little surprised by that as well. Because, I mean, it, Warren and Dokes just were, were both very high scoring there. And I think Ford is just a better player. And I think that offense – this will probably be their best offense that they've had in a while. You know, Ritter mm-hmm. with an extra year, Ford, who in my opinion is a superior player. Uh, they have um, uh, what's his name? What's the tight end they have? Wiley. What? Mm-hmm. Um, and they have uh, they have some uh, wide receiver is a little is a little weak, but I mean it's not it, it's got a lot of bodies there. Yeah, um, but I think that but, benefits Ford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I, I when they said that, I was like, wow, that surprises me a little bit because um, I would take him over a lot of these guys. Um, so here's a question for you. What is your favorite pick that you made in this this mock? Um, I would probably say my favorite pick that I made in this mock was either Chris Smith in round six, because um, those UL running backs, like, I mean, Regis and Elijah Mitchell last year both smashed. Um, so even if Chris Smith splits that backfield, I still think he can have a really, really nice year. He could be a fantasy RB1. Uh, and see for CFF and to get him in the sixth, I think is, is really nice value or um, Jermaine Burton uh, as my wide receiver four in the ninth round, because like I touched on on the show as well, I think that the Georgia offense, I think they're going to want to throw a little bit more than they have in the past. Now losing Pickens hurts that a little bit and it makes me a little less confident in it than I was earlier in the off season, but they have, probably the best passing quarterback that they've had in a while uh, in JT Daniels. Um, You know, I think that he's capable of sustaining a fantasy wide receiver one, two, uh, and Burton's pretty much the guy there this year. Um, Jared and and Xavier, both big Georgia guys uh, were saying that they've heard rumblings that Jermaine Burton could, you know, they're kind of projecting him for, to be roughly around a thousand yards receiving this year. Yeah, Jared's a homer, though. <laughs> I mean, that's fair, aren't we all? You know, <laughs> just a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, I, I liked getting uh, I liked getting him in the ninth there as my wide receiver four. So like, I don't even need to start him, but I think I very very easily could. Yeah, um, and then you know what? Least favorite pick. I know you're bom- maybe the pick that you didn't make that you realized after you <laughs> you, you selected that there was somebody still on the board that you were bummed about. Yeah, that in the 11th round, uh, I took Siobhan Cordero as my QB3 um, out of Hawaii. And I like Cordero. I think he's going to have a nice fantasy year this year. I think as a QB3, um, you know, I like that option a lot. But I did not 
use so i didn't put a queue together i didn't put rankings together um because you know we were at a wedding all weekend so i probably didn't prep for that quite as much as i should have um but if i had put a queue together i definitely would have noticed that um caleb ellaby was still on the board uh and to get caleb ellaby in the 11th round i think would have been would have been huge um that's that's great value there and i sorted the i was sorting the rankings by adp and then by fantasy points but if you sort them by points per game caleb ellaby last year now it's four games small sample size and it's all mac competition but he averaged 27.8 fantasy points per game um which was ahead of grayson mccall ahead of sam howell ahead of brennan armstrong ahead of mac jones um you know, it, it was the QB 13 overall. And I think that um, getting that type of value in the 11th would have been, would have, would have made me feel really, really good about my, uh, my QB situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you know for next time. I do. A surprise. We're doing another live CFF <laughs> mock right now. Just you. All right. Here I feel good go. about it. I feel good about this. Let's go. Uh, it, 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 for those of you that aren't out there playing any CFF, though, I think it is a worthwhile, you know, endeavor. Um, even if you're just doing mocks like this or something, you know, leading up to seasons, just to kind of get a feel for the landscape for the year, because uh, you'll definitely find some names that you know, even if they're you know guys that have zero shot at the NFL, you can at least use them as buy a week starters or whatever you need them for. Um, so I, it definitely is worthwhile if, if you're not doing any sort of CFF. Uh, stuff you know playing it or you know researching it any of that kind of stuff i think it i think you probably should be or you're doing yourself a little bit of a disservice as a c2c player if you're not doing it yeah i agree and, and i tweeted as much um about that you know after afterwards i said that you know anybody who does c2c even if you don't want to invest in a full cff league or you know money or time into one um you know at least hop in a mock because you know, it like I said, it, it unearths some guys that you maybe weren't paying as close of attention to. You know, it definitely um, maybe it's going to make me take a look at some of the values that are, uh, you know, in in the later rounds of the C two C leagues. You know, some guys that pop up late, but at the same time, I know you and I do value winning a little bit more on the college side. So, you know, that's why I find it as valuable. But I think. Either way, you can st you are doing yourself a disservice if you don't at least do a couple mocks. You know, it's just it took uh, I don't know. I think it took like an hour and a half ish to two hours, roughly. Um, so you know, if you have that time to invest, you know, just have have fun with one. Yeah, um, you don't have to live stream it, but <laughs> yeah, you don't have to put that much pressure on yourself on your first one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so. Like I said at the beginning of the show here, the big part of this show tonight is just us talking about some guys that we don't have. And I think it's going to be rare for us to say, you know, I just hate this guy. I think a lot of it, you know, as we go through discussions here, a lot of our, our analysis is going to come down to here's the ADP. Here's what I project them as. That doesn't mesh. And so here we go. I just don't have any of this guy. Th that's going to be the majority of what we talk about. But we might run into a few guys who were just like, I think he sucks. I don't know. Well, well, we'll work through it as we get there. Uh, uh, first up, we always start with quarterback. Colin, I, this is this is probably one where it's not a it's not a value or it's a he sucks. It's just you haven't had the opportunity. This is like yeah. the, the rare third option that's there. It's like one yes. percent of the the pie chart here tonight. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's and just based on you know where he goes in drafts, like I just I have not been fortunate enough to get a top three pick, or if I did, he went even before that. Um, you know, so uh, the guy that I have zero shares of is DJ U, DJ Uyunglele. I, you know, I just, it's not from lack of wanting him. It's just, I have not been able to draft him. And if you don't draft him, he is one of those guys that is damn near impossible to get. You heard it here, folks. Colin hates DJ U. He just said, I do. Yep. I'm going to edit the episode. <laughs> so I I hate DJU. Really awkward taste. I don't hate DJU. Exactly. There you go. I made it easy for you. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, so looking, the ADP will refresh here on the next day or two. I was a slacker and did not compile the data fast enough this month. Sorry, everybody. Um, <laughs> was busy covering for Colin, who's just been gone. So it's just too busy. Um, but the, the updated ADP, Bijan is 1.5 this month, last month, and DJU is 2. Those are the, clearly the top two guys at this point. It's pretty much like you said, Colin, you don't have a top three pick. You really almost have to have the top yeah. two pick. Those guys are pretty consensus, 1-2 at this point. Really rare that we see anybody else go ahead of them. I only have DJU in one place. I traded for him last year. Um, and he's, you know, I feel like I'm like my precious and I'm sitting here with DJ at <laughs> quarterback. Yeah. You and everybody else who owns him in every league. <laughs> he has to be in terms. I think he would be even tougher to trade for than Bijan. Mm-hmm. If I had to guess, which I guess is an argument against my zero QB thing, but I just think Bijan, I, I personally, I prefer Bijan. But if you play like the, well, according to the value, the general public, like this guy is, the, then if you, <laughs> if that's the way you play fantasy, then you should probably take DJU first. And I wouldn't blame you for doing that. Um, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, would you, and I would probably depend on team build, but if somebody offered, if you had DJU, somebody offered you Bajan, would you take that? It would depend on team build, but in a vacuum, assuming that I'm okay at quarterback and running back. No, I, I would take, I would keep Bijan. Um, I mean, I've had the one one like four times this off season. I've taken Bijan. So I haven't point. taken a single DJU. So that tells you all you know about how I feel about Bijan, Inclu- including that- me trading for a one one okay. and then spending it on Bijan. I was just saying, I think the biggest question is how do you keep getting the 101? I have had it in zero places except for that CFF mock last night. We joke about it on Debbie Debate. I win an absolutely inordinate amount of 100 yard dashes. Like, I, if you ever need someone to hire somebody, $10, I will sub into a league for you, and my little guy will run your 100 yard dash. And I will get you a great <laughs> draft pick. Guaranteed. No money back, though. I can't, I can't bet technology. I just like I have so much Mahomes and so much Bijan because I win the 101 or like I'll finish like first or second. So like I, you know, I just take one or the other. Um, yeah, it, it's very, very weird how it happens. That's um, another guy I have zero shares of Mahomes. No, I have a ton of Mahomes. <laughs> a lot, like six or seven. Of them. I have a lot of Mahomes. I have him in all the league, like pat myself on the back time. I have him in all the leagues from when he was drafted because I drafted him everywhere that offseason. Um, and then I've just continued to add more and more of him as the years have gone on. Um, and it wasn't like I loved him. It was just that he fell so far. Yeah. Thing. Like it was like, I got him in the second in that one league where like, it was just, uh, he fell too far. Um, most places. Uh, so my top guy is Bryce young that I have zero of. Um, and this is actually partially a lie. I realized after I wrote this down. So I did take over an orphan this year that has Bryce young on it, but I would have, I didn't see the roster. I just took the orphan. Right. Um, so I did, that wasn't like, in, you know, I didn't see Bryce young and go, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I have zero Bryce young anywhere else. And it's just because he goes in an awkward spot. You know, his ADP 
right now, or at least this past month, was was 4.25, and that's a little bit higher than he has been going. Last month, it was, or his overall is 6.12. So he went up a little bit this past month. Um, he just goes in an awkward area. Like I, I see, usually feel like I see him go in like that 6 or 7 range, and I would rather have like Jameer Gibbs or Spiller once I hit that range. You know, I'm Mr. Zero QB. Um, so I, I, that, that's, that's a dead area to me. I don't really want a quarterback there. Um, so that it's, it's more of a circumstance thing for me than anything else. And I am like, I, I liked him over DJU and I still think he's just as talented, but I think we have to pump the brakes slightly on him. On Bryce he's, Young. he's all projection and he looked good in the spring game, but he didn't blow me away either. But he has all the tools, you know. He he's very much a modern NFL quarterback. So I mean, it wouldn't shock me. And Sark isn't there anymore, right? I think people say, you know, the Bama quarterbacks. Well, a lot of it was Sark over the past few years doing a really good job with, with Tua, who I mean, granted was was a already good player when he got there, and then Mac Jones, who came out of nowhere. Um, I, I think I'd feel a little bit better about Bryce Young if Sark was still there, and and not Bob, who granted has also done fairly well with quarterbacks, uh, but just you know. Sark was already there with the system and, you know, had the rapport with guys and young would have been there for a year under him already. Um, so I think I would just felt a little bit better if he was still there. Yeah, I, I definitely get that. Um, the only place that I actually have Bryce young is um, in the one Devi league that we're in together. It's just a one round Devi. Um, and I have him in the same place that I have Spencer Rattler. Um, and I did the exact same thing the year before I had an extra Devi pick and I just took a gamble on, a big school quarterback that was going to be the next guy up that yes, they had zero production, but I feel good that his value is not going to drop. Yeah, no, it's not a bad bet at all. Um, uh, so, and then you have Caleb Williams. You don't have any Caleb Williams. I don't either, but I, I do not. I was planning on taking him in one spot uh, in one draft that I was doing this off season. Uh, I was, I was all geared up to take him at the, I think it was the very beginning, beginning of the fourth round um and because because that's like roughly where his adp was going at the time this was back in like may i believe uh and somebody took him ahead of me um so you know i just like you touched on on last week's debbie debate um i was just too late to come around on caleb williams um you know i and I'm still not convinced that he's going to be this great NFL quarterback or anything like that. Um, I still think he has some serious limitations as a passer, but uh, you know, like you said, it's, it's the Lincoln Riley effect. You know, I think that if Lincoln Riley's last um, quarterbacks that he's had Baker Mayfield, Heisman winner, Kyler Murray, Heisman winner, Jalen hurts, Heisman runner-up to probably the most historic passing season we've ever seen, uh, you know, from Joe Burrow. Um, 2020, um, Spencer Rattler was one of the guys that people at the beginning of the year thought could potentially win it. Um, and then obviously COVID happened, you know, that's such a weird year. And then we have a wide receiver win it. Also very weird. Um but Spencer Rattler going into this year is the favorite uh, to win it at this time already. So, you know, I, I think that worst case scenario, Caleb Williams is going to be Malik Willis for 
the two years that he starts. You know, I think that's kind of like the level of college production that you're going to be looking at, which I think, you know, when you're looking at the fourth, third, fourth round, I think that's really valuable. And then you're also getting a Lincoln Riley quarterback who, you know, if he develops him like he has some of these other guys, you know, you're, you're getting an early NFL draft pick as well. Yeah. So here's where it, I haven't gotten any of him. This is why. If you look at his ADP, March 43, April 40, May 31, June 29. Yep. He just keeps going a little. I'm like, I can finally come around to being like, okay, I guess I can rationalize, you know, the 43rd pick on him. And then he goes, and I'm like, yep. okay, I guess I could reach for about the 40th pick. And then he gets, <laughs> and then that big jump after spring into 31, that's probably about where you lose me. Yep. Uh, that, that's a little too high for me. Um, just cause I, I trust Lincoln Riley. I'm still not quite sure how good of an NFL quarterback he'll be. So that he's in that quarterback dead zone. Once you hit that point, unless it's at a, like a le- weird league format or something like that. Um, but no, I, I don't have any Caleb Williams either. Um, for, for very similar reasons. I also don't have any Sam Howe. Um, you did in the Devi league and then you traded him. I did trade him. Um, for Kirk Cousins, it's a salary cap league. There's like a bunch of other implications. Um, so not necessarily, you know. And your your team is a little bit more win now. I have Julio, and that's it. Is it? I thought you had. I yeah. thought your team was a little bit stronger than that. Well, I know you traded him to Evan, and I know Evan's team is most definitely not win now. No, no. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have Sam Howell anywhere. I like Sam Howell again. Just zero QB. I don't feel so great about him that. Like I said, I just traded him for Kirk Cousins. I mean, there were some salary cap implications, but I just I struggle to see a huge ceiling, and that doesn't necessarily interest me um, when it comes to C two C. So we have some honorable mentions here. We have I put one two. Oh, I have six names, but again, I'm not drafting quarterbacks this offseason, so that's kind of to be expected. Uh, but we have four that are the same here on our list, Colin. We have Slovis, Willis, Buchner, and Heward. That neither of us have any of, or actually, I might have one Buchner now that I think about it, but like not a lot. Yes, not a lot. Um, so why? I mean, Slovis, I think we've t- we've beaten that horse basically, you know, to a pulp at this point. Um, oh, you're adding. Oh, you're adding Corral. I, I just thought about that. I, I have one Corral. You don't have any. No, I don't. Um, and it's kind of along the similar lines where. He's just kind of go, like where you were saying with Bryce Young, but it's a, a little bit later. He's just kind of going in that awkward spot where I would just rather other guys than take a quarterback. No, I think that's totally fair. Um, yeah, Slovis and Willis, you know, we talked a little bit about earlier on the show. Uh, Buchner or Heward, we don't have any of though. Um, just going too early for you again, and you don't feel great about either of them. You don't feel great about the school they're at. I mean, what what's the, is that a combination of the two? Kind of a combination of the two. Um, with Buchner, I I don't have any problem with people taking Buchner, and I think that he has a lot of potential, but I think it's a lot of projection at this point. Um, you know, he has not played a lot of football. Um, you know, and you know, due to injury and due to COVID, just just has not played a lot of football. And he's going to Notre Dame. I don't feel real great about them doing anything with a skill position players or developing them. I mean, running backs, they tend to develop. Okay. Um, tight ends, obviously they, you know, they're kind of a tight end factory, but 
they don't really do you don't really develop too many quarterbacks lately um you know ian book do we really feel that great about him i mean i don't know yeah, yeah you know uh, so i i don't really love going to notre dame and then you know those concerns for me and then other people just being a little bit higher on him um I, and sam heward similar yeah i i just got you know we i think we've talked about it a lot on the show i talk about it a lot on twitter on debbie debate on wherever this was just not a good quarterback class like i i, I like buchner but i don't love him and we're going to talk about it when we talk about some of the running backs here. Like I felt the same way about that class minus Travion. Um, I just like I just don't feel great about it. So I'll, I'll just punt it. Like I, I don't care about not not having a quarterback from this class because it's some some quarterback classes are just bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was the year um, they the um, the dude from Florida State or whatever that went in the first round? Oh, uh, Ponder. Ponder. Yeah, the Christian Ponder year. Like there, there are just the years. Jay Manuel too. Where, oh yeah, like there were there are just years. Okay, so yes, apparently if end of the year with Jameis Winston, <laughs> there's a Florida State quarterback being rumored to go in that first round. Sell, sell, sell <laughs> quarterback. Um, yeah, I just, there's, there's just years where there's you know there's a hole there, and they, I mean, it's a hard position to to develop. So um, I, I think that's part of it for me. Um, running back here, uh, Eric Gray. No, Eric Gray. Yeah, no Eric Gray. Again, it's a little bit that I don't feel great about his NFL future. Um, I don't really uh, – he's fine athletically, but I don't love it. Um, you know, And then I just – I think he's a little undersized as well. So I don't love him. And then just the round that he goes in, um, you know, just is, is higher than – than what I'm willing to to take people in. Um, I mean, his his ADP um, it's bounced a little bit all over the place. I'm um, just looking at the sheet here. It was 22 in February, 22.8, then 31.6 in March, 30.7 in April, 22.6 again in May. Uh, and in that range, I would just rather take guys that I like more, guys that I feel better about. Um, you know, with yeah, Jace McClellan is is relatively close to there. Kendall Milton relatively close to there as well. Uh, and then that's also a good range for some wide receivers too that I like to go after. Um, you know, some some guys like um, Jermaine Burton is usually in that range as well. Marvin Mims pretty close to there. Um, JSN also right around there. So those are just guys that I would rather have than than Gray. So it's a combination of where he's going and the fact that I don't really love Eric Gray's NFL future. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you answered because I was going to ask you, you know, what who in that range do you like to take more? I think if he falls to 31, that kind of seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, like that, like that EP from a couple months ago. But it, I, I, and the ones that I do, I feel like he tends to do a little earlier. I do too. Um, and if Matt Hicks is in your league, he goes like tenth overall. Um, <laughs> I think Kane Fasel likes him a lot too. I think any leagues I'm in with Kane, he takes him. I, I'm just like okay, like even if I wanted Eric Gray, he's not. Yeah, not making a pack. So um, th- those are just two that that I see do it a lot. Tank Bigsby is my number one. Um, I have zero Tank Bigsby. Simply, I mean, I like Tank Bigsby. I have a tier. I have a first round grade, you know, for Dynasty on him. I mean, I, I like him. I just 
This is also relative. I way prefer Jameer Gibbs to him, like by a lot. Um, relatively speaking, to you know, two tier one quarterbacks in next year's class, I think it's Bijan, a, a kind of a gap, Jameer, and then kind of a gap, and, and then Gibbs, and that, or and then Bigsby. Um, and I'm not sure what he could do over the next. The thing about Tank for me is like he's such an aggressive runner. I don't think he's great between the tackles. He's good between the tackles. There's a lot of him just putting the head down and rushing forward for three, though. What he really excels at is like outside zone stuff, which people don't want to admit. And I have a hard time in my head putting those two things together, like this hard-nosed physical runner. But he excels way more when you get him outside. That's not, in my opinion, I'm not sure if that'll translate perfectly compared to a guy like Bijan, which I think can do both at a very high level. And Gibbs, who I think is the better um, in traffic running back, like he, he, his vision, his ability to see a couple steps ahead, uh, is just rare. Um, and I think they're both better pass catchers than him. And he's not even an awful pass catcher. I just those other two guys are just very so so good at it. Um, so just naturally, I have a lot of Gibbs. I have zero Bigsby. Yeah i I don't think I have him anywhere either. Actually, um, and. That's more just because I don't typically end up in, you know, if I end up with a pick in that range, Spiller is also usually available. Um, so, you know, in that range, I've taken Spiller, uh, I think twice um, as opposed to Bigsby. So I would just rather Spiller. I just feel better about him. Um, so I don't really have him anywhere either. And I was trying to remember, do you, do you know who has him in our Devi league? I was considering taking him at one spot. Um, and then I ended up trading back. Uh, ended up trading back out of that pick. Uh, I ended up with um, Travion Henderson a little bit later. Yeah, that's a play. That's the play. Um, and it, it helps that like Tank doesn't necessarily make it to me a lot either, because right. people a lot of people prefer him over Gibbs. Or like I'd rather have Spiller than Tank. And I think Spiller falls a lot. Um, either I have a lot of Spiller and I have a lot of Gibbs and zero Tank. Um, you have Brees Hall down. You don't have any. I, actually, I don't know if I do either. You have no Brees Hall. Yeah, I have no Brees Hall. Um, I did not end up with him in, in any rookie drafts uh, or in any freshman drafts. And I, you know, he's another one of those guys where it's just, it was extremely difficult to get him if you don't already have him. And then again, I just kind of haven't either haven't ended up with a pick in the range to get him or, you know, I would take. Uh, Bijan over him. I think in the one situation where I was close enough, you know, you weren't in that league, so he didn't go one one. Um, I ended up with a Bijan share. Yeah, I mean, Bijan is bay. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I feel that. I mean, it, it's a total ceiling play again for me. Like I, what is Brees Hall's ceiling? Matt Matt Bruning yells at me when I say that. Like he's. He's on the Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders plane of running back. I'm not saying they're similar style. Like, that's just like, like, I think we're, you're going to get Brees Hall in the NFL. He's going to go like pick 40. And then he's going to be on a team for years where, like, this is the year that he's a running back one. And then he, he like limps into it because a couple guys got hurt in front of him. But he'll be very consistent for like seven years. That's just how I kind of view his career probably going. I don't know. Maybe I'm too low on him. I, th- I think he has good vision, you know, best cutback guy in college, uh, solid long speed, solid size. I think he's listed at 215 now. I think I think when they just updated their website, um, 
I like I, I prefer Spiller to him. I really do. Yeah, I I also prefer Spiller there too. I mean, it's 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 really close. I go back and forth on that one. Um because I see what you guys are saying with with Spiller being definitely well, clearly more athletic, um, size adjusted athletic, size adjusted, yes, yeah, yeah. size adjusted athleticism. Um, I I like that Bijan, or uh, Brees is a back up to to two fifteen. I didn't I don't think I saw that. Um, I thought he was still down around like the two ten range, which not a huge difference, but um, yeah, I I'm with you there on like the ceiling play. I think he's just gonna be fine in the NFL. He's gonna be very consistent. Yeah, so I mean, I, it's that that that's mostly what it is for me. Um, and then Kyron Williams, I have down, and I've been in position to take Kyron Williams a bunch of times, and I, I have to revisit my rankings somehow. But I don't. There, there's just a huge divide at some point where, like, I, I'll get there and I'm like, I want to take Kyron Williams so bad, and then I pivot to like Jermaine Burton or Zach Evans. I've been in a couple of situations where I have to choose, and I take Zach Evans, um, even even like Raheem Jarrett. Like I think I would rather have Raheem Jarrett. Um, I just Kyron Williams. He he's I really like him. You know he he's got a he's a really good athlete, converted receiver, so he's a great pass catcher. He's really physical. He just looks maxed out at one ninety five. I don't know realistically how much bigger he can get. And so when I you know a guy that I presume only has one year of college play left have to really start considering what his NFL future is. I'm not sure if the NFL just showed us they don't like those guys. I, I don't know what the play is there. What's his ceiling? Like Michael Carter-ish in terms of like like fourth round guy? Or what, did Michael Carter go in the third round? Uh, I, think he went, I think he went in the fourth. I think it was a very early fourth. So yeah, I, it was like the Jets, and the Jets had a super early pick. And, and so that's, the, that's like the ceiling in my opinion, right? Like I, I don't know how much higher than that he can go. Yeah, if you – if this year was any indication, yeah, I, I think that that's kind of what you're looking at. But, you know, I think that he does. Uh, I just saw somebody talking about it today. I don't remember if it was Kevin Coleman or Corey P. I don't remember which one of the two it was. I saw on Twitter mentioned it. But, um, you know, he he's a great pass blocker. So, yes, he's he's very small. But he does have that going for him, at least. You know, I, I, he has a little bit more three-down potential, I think, than a guy like a Michael Carter. Um, even though Kyron Williams is, I think, a little bit smaller. What did Carter weigh in at 200, 202, I think? Yeah, just over 200. Yeah. Um, and I think Kyron Williams, you know, when it comes to combine prep and you know prep of the NFL draft, I think he'll be smart enough to bulk up a little bit more to try to hit that 200 mark. Yeah. I don't know how much it'll help him. Um, but... I'm actually I'm looking at our running back rankings here, and ours are ours are really really similar. Um, there's we have Brees and Spiller flipped. We have Bigsby and Gibbs flipped. Um, we have and then I have Kendall Milton at ten, and you have him at eleven, and that's just our top ten. But everybody else basically exactly the same. So we both have Kyron Williams at seven, but Kyron Williams is also somebody that I don't have any shares of because. I, I just, like you said, I, I get a little bit scared about his NFL future and that size. Uh, I think he's going to have a really, really nice year this year. But it just comes to I'm a little bit more risk adverse. And I just I have not pulled the trigger on him anywhere. 
Yeah, you have a long time in C2C drafts, and I tell people that are starting to get into their first draft, you know, you have a long time to recover when you're drafting. So don't feel afraid to mess up because you've got, you know, 45 rounds at least typically. But you also don't want to just go out and waste a bunch of early draft capital on a guy if you're going to get like max one year out of him, you know. So I think that's what trips me up a little bit on guys like Kyron Williams. Um, so just some honorable mentions, guy we have guys we have down here. Uh, you don't have any Zach Evans, which I think is the only guy that you have down that I did not also write down. So that's interesting. Why no Zach Evans? Um, it just kind of more the range that he goes in. Um, I just, I don't usually have picks that line up in that range. Um, let me see real quick here. What is his ADP? Um, his ADP is like at 16. So that's like at the very back half there. And usually if he's there, um, I'm, I'm looking at one of those receivers that are right there. I'm looking at. Uh, a David Bell. I'm looking at a George Pickens. Um, you know, I've taken Pickens a couple times where I've, he was on the board. So it's just it's a little bit more that I've I've gone after a couple of other guys that I like a little bit more. It's not that I don't like Zach Evans, um, but Zach Evans is, you know, he's one of those guys that I'm just I'm not sure. I I, I like him. I'm not sure how much I love him yet. You know, he's ranked where he is for me because I do like him, but I don't think I ever see him getting higher than the RB eight for me, which is what I have him now. Maybe he jumps Kyron Williams at, at a seven spot. I just don't think he ever ends up being a, a top, top RB for me. So then I pivot to one of the top, top wide receivers. Um, I, I prefer him to all of the 2022 wide receivers. Interesting. Once, once I get into the second round, um, and I know. So for like CFF purposes, it's much harder to find dominant wide receivers, but there's just a huge running back dead zone, basically from round three to round like eight or nine, in my opinion. And it's just chock full of receivers. So that's where I scoop up all my receivers. I'll, I'll skip out on Burks, Wilson, Bell, um, and, and Pickens even depending on where he's been falling a lot. Uh, but I, I prefer Evans to all of those guys. Um, my big, my big name that I wrote down that you don't have is Marshawn Lloyd. Um, so full disclosure, I love Marshawn Lloyd as he was my RB two last year as a prospect in his class. And I'm not like fading him or anything. I've never seen a guy who looks to be in a historic running class, running back class that didn't play at all as a freshman because he has suffered a significant injury had a guy perform from a volume standpoint very well in his place and not lose like any value in drafts. <laughs> probably go is I wish we had ADP from last year because I bet his ADP right now is higher than it was last season. It, it, I, I've just never seen it. I cannot believe that it's happened. Marshawn Lloyd's ADP right now is at 38. So you're spending, you know, an early fourth round pick on that situation. That just seems like a no-no to me. He would be palatable maybe like in the late fifth, you know, like 10 to 15 picks later than that. But I, I just, I can't, I think people, once they see those six or seven running backs off the board, should just say, okay, I'm going to chill on running back for a while. That's why I don't, like, we're going to talk here, but I don't have any Will Shipley. I don't have LJ Johnson. I just think they're they're not smart picks in that range either. Um, 
but Lloyd, I, I if somebody could explain Lloyd to me, you know, somebody listening to this, uh, why why I should take him at the 38th overall pick. If it's just running back scarcity, that's not a good reason. So if you send that to me, um, you will get a slap in response. <laughs> uh, that that is not a good answer. Um, so the reason I I have Marshawn Lloyd share, um, I took him in the uh, like mid fourth. Um, and the reason I, I like Marshawn Lloyd is he is that last running back that I think has some serious NFL potential. I think that, you know, after you get him in my ranks here, after, after him, I have Kevin Harris, I have Eric Ray, Jerome Ford, Shipley, Johnson, White, um, McCormick in that range. So I don't feel great about the NFL potential of any of those guys. I do still really like Marshawn Lloyd. Yes, he did. He is in a historic running back class, but I don't think that affects. I, I think that does raise his perceived value a little bit, but I don't think that affects his NFL future that much. Um, Cause I think he's going to be a guy who probably stays for four, his fourth year. Um, given that he missed his first year and given that he's going to be in a split this year, Unless he absolutely balls out uh, his junior year, uh, I think that he'll probably stick around for a fourth year. So I don't necessarily know if he'll even be in that class. Um, I, I think he he could potentially be in the 2024 class, which, as we've talked about a little bit, you know, already, it's a little bit weaker of a class. Plus, he has some high level athleticism, and he was already looking like he was going to be the lead back in that offense before that knee injury last year and it is just it's just an acl you know that doesn't really scare me that much anymore um you know the guys recover from that so i still think he could have a really nice year this year and that's the like i said that's the last spot where i feel good about the nfl potential of a running back cool yeah i mean like i said i like marshawn lloyd i just if if you sit here i think and i think if if a lot of people actually sat down and thought about it and said you know because i like marshawn lloyd and you say okay well Will he produce a lot this year? Mm, probably not. Did, did he pr- produce well last year in a strong class? No, he didn't. Why was that? Because he blew out his knee. You know, the steps start going. You're like, I don't. This maybe sounds like less of a, a good idea than more and more I, I make my way down the list. So maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. I, I have high hopes still, but um, it definitely, definitely been been hurt a little bit. Um, and then LJ Johnson and Shipley, you know, I, I said both of those are kind of bad plays and you apparently think so with their ADP too. Yeah, I, I agree there w- with those guys. I, I don't, I don't love them. Um, they are my running back two and three respectively in this, in this class, um, Shipley two, Johnson three, but like you said, I don't love this running back class. I, you know, I think as good as Shipley is, Everything's been saying that you know it's gonna be uh, Kobe, it's Kobe Pace now, right? Not Kobe Pryor. Used to be Pryor. I believe so. Yes, it is Pace. Yeah. Kobe Pace uh, and Lin J Dixon are gonna lead that backfield this year. So you know it's either I don't think he's gonna have a lot of production this year, um, you know, and then I, I don't know how great I feel about his his potential moving forward. Then after that, uh, and then LJ Johnson to. I like him. I don't love him. 
I don't feel great about that NFL future either. It kind of falls back into the where Marshawn Lloyd is my last spot there for that. And then at that point, I'll pivot to some of those wide receivers that you mentioned as well. So yeah, I don't, I don't have either of those guys either. And I probably will not end up with either of them. Yeah. Um, Samesies. So wide receiver. This is <laughs> so your first answer here is blowing my mind because I have all of the OSU wide receivers, <laughs> except for Wilson. I have a lot of Olave. I have a lot of Marvin Harrison, a lot of JSN, uh, even some like Buka. Um, I, I have a lot of these guys, but you don't have any of them. I don't. I don't have any of them. Um, and it's not for lack of want. Um, you know, I like these guys. I want these guys. They just don't. It just kind of doesn't really fall to me like where I end up taking these guys. You know, I would. I would love to take Garrett Wilson in his spot, but I don't usually have a pick. Somebody else is usually higher on these guys than I am. Um, you know, I have Garrett Wilson as my wide receiver five. Um, whereas everybody else on our site besides you, you have him at five as well. Alfred has him at one, Felix at three, Matt at two, Jarek two, Chris two, Dwight three. You know, I like him, but everybody seems to be higher on them than I am. Um, with Olave, that's just usually an area where I'm not taking a receiver, or if I do, um, I like Jermaine Burton more, so I usually end up with Burton. And then the freshmen, I want those freshmen. I like those guys, but other people again, they just they just want them more. Yeah, Matt. Um, Matt. Matt's tweet today was really interesting, just about the ADP of all those guys, and he was asking people which they'd get. Um, I just like I Marvin Harrison. He he's still moving up the ADP, and he'll he'll continue moving up here over the next month or two. He's just such an obvious buy now, and he doesn't have to do anything this year, and his value goes higher next year. In my opinion, probably Ibuka too. Assuming that Alave and Wilson both leave, I mean, a lot. Well, I don't think Alave technically has to, um, but he will, and Garrett Wilson probably will too. Um, I, I think it's going to be those to JSN, Ibuka, uh, uh, and Harrison. We talked about that on the show here before. Um, oh, I uh, I lied. I have a JSN share. You, There's too many wide you, receivers. To, oh shit! I you my phone. dirty liar. <laughs> There's too many of them to keep track of. <laughs> yeah, there, there are a lot. I, I have a lot of OSU wide receivers. I just, you know, I have they've one. consistently had so much talent there. It's like Bama. You just buy Bama guys as long as it looks like they're going to touch the field and it's worth its weight in gold. Yeah, so I have one JSN share. But yeah, other than that, I just, the, the, the guys don't end up in, in the ranges that I'm looking at them. So my big guy that I don't have any of is David Bell, which probably doesn't surprise you. Um, nope. Like I said, I don't touch those 2022 wide receivers really at the end of drafts. I just don't think the value is necessarily there. Um, and I just don't know about David Bell. Like, I think he's basically worse Rashad Bateman. And I liked Rashad Bateman, but I had like a late first grade on him. So that's a day two guy. Like, he's going to catch a ton of passes this year. I'm pretty sure he, he, I mean, he had all the targets last year and, and the year before that without Rondale there. I just don't know what the the NFL ceiling is that high. Um, I'd rather like I and that's like he's hit the point where I've seen enough of him where I feel like I, you know, as I'm doing my I know that in air quotes, you know, like like I, like I feel like I've seen enough of him to feel that way. Whereas somebody like a JSN, I haven't seen enough yet 
to to know whether I know that or not. But I think he has he has a chance to have a higher ceiling. Same with a guy like Jermaine Burton or Raheem Jarrett. I get those guys a full round later or you know a half round later, or whatever. Uh, that just seems like a better value to me. Uh, and I take if I have to take a wide receiver because like I, I wrote about it in my first zero QB one. You know, there are times where all the running backs are gone that I like before it gets to me in the first round. There, I go Butte. Because I think I, I like Butte more, um, and he's I, th- those two are going to be in attention for the wide receiver one this year for CFF purposes. It's so like it. If, talk about like a funnel offense in terms of targets. Those two are in the definition of them, um, but I, I just prefer Butte a little bit. So that's why I don't have any David Bell. But I know I know you like Bell a lot. I do, yeah, I do like Bell a lot. Um, I I think he I, I like he's definitely on the. Um, Rashad Bateman spectrum there for sure. Um, but I liked Bateman a lot as well. Um, it just in this class, I kind of liked just a couple other guys a little bit more. It wasn't a knock on Bateman. Um, and I just, I don't quite feel the same way about the other guys in the 2022 class. Um, I like Pickens. Uh, I like Wilson. I like Burks. I think those guys are really good. Uh, but I don't, I don't like them more than Bell. I think Bell is just very consistent. I think I know exactly what I'm going to get with Bell, and you've you've touched on before his his lack of athleticism. Um, I think his athleticism's fine. That's a stretch. It's not a lack of athleticism. It's just like he <laughs> does not have high end athleticism. So, and I don't like you look at some. You know, Mike Mike Thomas doesn't have high end athleticism. Right. And this is all in air quotes, people. You know, there. Yes. I realize that they could probably run two forty yard dashes in the time I run one. Okay. I'm, <laughs> Not what I'm saying, <laughs> but relative, you know, Burks is a better athlete. Yes. And, and so, you know, all those top guys are, and I don't think he's like a Hopkins. Like he, he does not have that elite trait in my opinion that some of those guys did. So, you know, cause you don't have to be an elite athlete to be a great wide receiver, but I, I just don't see an elite trait there. Um, so for me, I'm out at that cost. That's fair. Um, you touched on Boutte too. The actually the only share I have of Boutte was an orphan I took over. Um, I would very much like shares of Boutte. He just he he just goes earlier than than what I'm end up. You know, he just does not fall in that range where I've had some picks. Um, but I'm I'm glad to have that one share of him on the on the orphan. You know, whoever had that team before me, thank you. Yeah, I, I really really like Boutte. Uh, he he's you can't really trade for him. Nope. you have to draft him or it's over. Um, a Guillet Hall. You don't have any Guillet Hall. I do not have any Aguille Hall. Um, and the reason I don't have any Aguille Hall is I like the other two Bamba wide receivers a lot. Um, I don't dislike a Guillet Hall at all. I, I like a Guillet Hall, but I ha I like the other two Bamba wide receivers a lot. They're very, very they're all three very, very even for me. And a Guillet Hall just goes so much earlier than the other guys that I'm willing to not take Hall, and then I'll take Brooks, and I'll take JoJo Earl later. Um, I think I have two JoJo Earl shares and one Ja'Cory Brooks, um, but I still feel just as good about those guys as I do about Hall. You know, and Hall's spring is really what propelled him up the board, but there was also nobody else playing wide receiver in that spring game. Nobody of consequence. You know, now Hall did exactly what you're supposed to do in that situation. You know, he stepped up and he looked like the guy. But, you know, with Ja'Cory Brooks, with JoJo Earl being there, um, John Mechie didn't play in the spring game either. Um, 
you know, they've just brought in Jamison Williams. So I think that that spring is a little bit, I'm trying to think of the word that I want to use here for this. It's, it's a little bit misleading the spring um, per production there. And it's, it's caused his value to be inflated just to the point where I have not taken him. I I actually think his ADP is kind of fair right now. You know, th- in June here, he's wide receiver yeah. 13, I believe 13 or 14. He goes just after you know, the four guys ahead of him, Burton, Mechie, JSN, Drake, London, and then it's Hall. And then you look at the guys after him, like Addison, Downs, Brooks, Earl, Ross, Flowers, Agbuka, like are any of those more sure of a thing than he is? No. So I don't, that, I don't I don't hate his ADP. It's just I like other guys at value AD their ADP later. So full disclosure, I actually don't have any Gieho either. Even though he was my one number one wide receiver in this class. I, it's been that way for months and I stand by it. Um I just never seem to get my hands on him for whatever reason. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking at his like the data here. Like that seems really fair to me. I'm actually surprised I don't have any Hall um, w- with that kind of ADP. That's not bad. Um, no, it's not. I don't. I don't. Like I said, I don't fault anybody for taking him there. But like I said, I think we just need to pump the brakes a little bit on the Aguirre Hall hype and just contextualize the way that that spring played out. Fine, be that way. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> so my last guy here is Mario Williams. I don't hate Mario Williams. There's just no immediate upside to Mario Williams, in my opinion. Unless you're thinking the scenario plays out that he somehow takes that job this year, which he doesn't, in my opinion. And I don't know who leaves this year besides Mike Woods. Like I, I At this point, I think Weiss and, and Hazelwood, Hasselwood, whatever, might be four-year guys. Yeah. And do you have Marvin Mims there who, in my opinion, they're going to have those two guys play the same exact role, Mims and Williams. So you're waiting a year, you know, at least a year, if not two on this kid. And he's not very big. Like, I'm not sure if the, if there's, there's alpha potential there for him. Um, and he was good in the spring game, but like he had some drops and he, I think he had a really awful fumble too, if I remember correctly. Like there's definitely a lot, to work with there but i i think the he is a guy that's gone up substantially after spring and i think that's not right i I, that's just you know personally i i can't get myself there like i i think um troy franklin had a better spring you know he impressed me more marvin harrison egbuka um, those are the freshmen that have been really shooting up my board and not Mario Williams. He, he's risen for me, but not, not like those other guys have. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. Um, I, I don't have any Mario Williams either. Um, my, I think part of the problem that you don't have any Mario Williams is you're in a bunch of leagues with Felix, right? And PJ. PJ really <laughs> likes Mario Williams too. Okay. I think yeah. PJ's in every league. I think that can just go without saying. Like, yeah. Oh, you're in a bunch of leagues with you. You play a bunch of C2C. Oh, you're in a bunch of leagues with, with PJ. Yeah. Like, I think that's just, <laughs> that's how that goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on, on Mario Williams. Uh, I, I, all of those concerns, completely valid. Um, like you said, I think that um, Hazelwood, Weiss, Woods, they could all potentially be four year guys or at least two of the three. Um, and then they're bringing in other guys to 
Um, although we did touch on, you know, they lost some guys. Um, Burton dropped in the rankings. Or so he went back up. Did he? I don't know what happened because he definitely dropped. Everyone was talking about it in the Discord. And now he's back up. I don't know if ESPN or like if one of the other because he didn't drop at 24 seven. So I don't know if like one of the other sites messed their thing up and like the composite like formula just picked that up or if 24 seven formula got messed up and they they messed it up. But he's back up. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So I personally Um, don't have him that high as we discussed. I was like a wide receiver 10 or 12 or something. But yeah, he went back up. Right. But so either way, you know, there's going to be a lot of competition there for him the whole time and there's just other guys that I like better around that range. Yep. Pretty much the same. Um, and then honorable mention, you wrote down Ross, Justin Ross and Drake London. Um, so I ended Ross and Drake concern ADP. The, the, the risk does not, out, does not outweigh the reward there. Yeah. Nail on the head there. Um, there was one spot where I almost took Justin Ross. I was going, I had him lined up. I think it was in, I think it was in the program league. I want to say um, I had him lined up and I was going to take him. And I think he ended up going like two picks ahead of me. So it's not that I don't like Ross. It's just that I'm a little bit more risk averse in the early rounds there. And he just is not lined up where I've taken him. And then Drake London, I think is a guy who's going to produce huge numbers there in the USC offense this year. But uh, I just get a little bit concerned about his NFL pr- potential and, you know, I, it's just, again, another situation where I just, I like other guys around him a little bit better. Um, yeah. The neck thing just scares me. Um, it's one of the, yeah, I, I, I traded for him once this off season, but it was just like a, sorry, boss, if you're listening, it was a slam dunk <laughs> trade off in my opinion, uh, that I had to do it. Um, yeah. And London, I mean, I've said my piece on London. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, guys. I realize that he's, you know, a big guy and that, you know, he, he's done really well stretching the field. But I think they hit him in the slot because I'm not sure he can consistently win at the line. I'm not sure he can consistently separate anything other than deep. And I'm not sure how good he is with the ball in his hands. He might catch a shit ton of passes at USC, but I'm not sure about the NFL translation there. Um, he's not a guy that I would... Like if I had to go and bet on a wide receiver that could make it in the NFL, like with some sports book, he would not be one of my first <laughs> picks to do that. Yeah, no, that's definitely fair. Um, I put both of those guys on the honorable mentions. Did you have any honorable mentions? Um, London's a good one. Um, other than that, I, even, I don't even know if I pulled up my wide receivers. Um, I, oh, I did. I'm looking at it here too. I don't have any John Mechie either. I drafted him for the first time yesterday. Uh, so I don't have any Jordan Addison. As a Pitt fan, um, uh, can you? Did, did your card get revoked? I tried to get him a couple times last year, including twice on and on waiver runs, where I lost out to him, which was really freaking annoying. Um, my problem with him, and I've talked about this again before, and I don't remember if we had this discussion on this show or not. I don't see how his profile is any better than Jaden Wally, and I can get Wally well. Now I get him like three rounds later, but I could get him like six rounds later a month or two ago. Um, that's probably mostly my fault. But um, like I would just like that's just a total value play. I don't think he has alpha in his range of outcomes at all. I think his ceiling is wide receiver two in the NFL. Um, and I Wally's going to outscore him over the next couple of years. So that's just a no brainer for me. 
Yeah, no, that's that's definitely fair. Um, I like Wally a lot too, and, and like you said, value. Um, it's just way better. Actually, I don't have any Jordan Addison either, but I'm yep. not a Pitt fan, so. Yeah, yeah. The only pick I worth having, I don't have him anywhere. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, I failed. Um, but yeah, so that's gonna do it for tonight's show, guys. Thanks again for for joining us here. Uh, be on the lookout. We have a bunch of cool stuff happening. Uh, you know, the pod is going to continue to come out. Uh, Matt and I are about to start, and he's about to tease this on Twitter here, so I, I can say this. And by by the time this this hits the airwaves, it'll have been announced. Uh, we are going to start doing some 2022 videos, uh, 2022 freshmen, our not early enough series, I believe we are calling it, nice. instead of the too early, you know, uh, not early enough. Um, so that's going to be fun. Um, we have conference breakdowns that are going to start showing up on uh, the website here. Uh, so pay attention to those. They are going to be popping up somewhere else as well. We'll be making that announcement here in the next week or so. Um, but that's going to be big. It's going to be big. I can't say where yet. Um, big site. So keep your Exciting. eyes peeled for that. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, otherwise, just uh, keep listening to the other podcasts here on the website, guys. Um, why wait till Sunday? Debbie Debate. Fantasy Football Roundtable. That's going to do it for tonight. Until next time, I'm Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good one, guys.